Hey, is this Ben? It is. Hey, it's Simon. How you doing? I'm good, mate. How are you? Good. You're currently on the Central Podcast. I've waited a long time for this phone call. Finally here. Well, you have the special opportunity to welcome us for the podcast, so can you give your best welcome to the podcast, everyone? <laughs> welcome to the podcast, everybody. Well, here we are. Season 2, Episode 2 of The Central Podcast. My name's Simon and I will be hosting this episode. Now, Central is the 18-30s ministry of Imaginations Church, which is a Christian church in the western suburbs of Sydney. And we've created this podcast as another way to stay connected with everyone, especially during this weird pandemic season. We have an amazing episode for you today. We are talking theology with none other than Nathan Finocchio. And we'll chat to him very soon. But before we do, you know, my wife Maria and I, we've missed everyone during this season. We've wanted to catch up with everyone we could. So huge apologies if we haven't caught you. We still love you so much. So I thought it'd be good at the start of our podcast to just give some people a call in a segment I'd like to call Quick Catch-Ups. Hello? Hello? Hey, Asha, it's Simon. Hello. Hey, good, how are you? Good, thanks. Hey, you're currently on the Central Podcast. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I have a mouthful of food right now, so that's nice. Oh, uh, yeah, we're just doing some quick catch-ups. Oh, so good. Yeah. What's been happening? Oh, a whole bunch of stuff. Anything you want to say to everyone? Hi, everyone. Um, come to church on Sunday night. It's going to be sick. Sneaky plug. <laughs> See ya. Bye. He's calling Isaac Pena. Hey, Isaac, how you doing? Yeah, good. Go on. Hi, uh, you're currently on the Central Podcast. Oh! Yeah. Hi. How you doing? I'm, uh, I'm fantastic. Anything you want to say to everyone? I love you, Mum. Awesome. I'm sure your mum is in our age bracket. <laughs> All right, buddy. Bye. Let's just call Jonah Peacock. Hey there, bud. Hey, buddy. Uh, how you doing? Very, very good. Hey, uh, you're currently on the Central Podcast. Oh, awesome. Yeah, anything you want to say? Hello, Central Podcast. That's the first thing I want to say. Anything else? Look, uh, you put me on the spot here, so let me think for a little bit, um... Um, how are you doing? Hey, don't turn this on me. This is about quick catch-ups with you. <laughs> is, there any, is there anything that you want to say to the Central Podcast? Uh, I'm, just, I'm just stalling because I don't know what to say. All right, well, nice catching up. Talk to you later. See ya. Bye. We're going to Melbourne, and we're calling Rachel Marr. Here we go. First interstate caller. Will she answer? Hello, Rachel. Hey, Rach, it's Simon. How you doing? Good, how are you? Good. Hey, just letting you know you're currently on the Central Podcast. I'm on the Central Podcast? Yeah, like right now. I am? Yeah, we're just calling people just for quick catch-ups. Oh, yeah. hey, hey, 
run. Yeah. <laughs> I just so okay. how, how's how's Victoria? It's um cold. Nice. Very freezing and gray, but it's good. Hey, just so yeah. you know, I know the borders are closed. We still love you. Thank you. Anything you want to say? To, anything you want to say to everyone around here? Say, hey everyone, and yeah, we, we're still alive. It's probably not as bad as they're making it out to be. Like we're actually okay. Yeah. And yeah, you know, love life. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. All right. See ya. Cool. All right. See ya, everyone. Bye, Adam Davies. Hey, sorry, I can't get to the phone right now. You can leave me now. He never number. answers. I'll get back to you. Jenny Baker. On school holidays, teacher. Hello. Hi, is this Jenny? It is. Hey, it's Simon. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Good. Hey, uh, just want to let you know you're currently on the Central Podcast. Oh, cool. Like right now. Sweet. Yeah, anything you want to say? Um, look, I'm just at the dentist. It's very exciting school holiday activity. Are you on the dentist chair right now? No, not right this time. Oh, that would have been awesome. Any advice about dental hygiene? Um, just brush and floss twice a day. That's about it. All right. See ya. <laughs> see bye. ya. Bye. bye. This is newly married Amy DeMartin. Hey. Hey, Amy. How you doing? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks. Good. Hey, uh, you're currently on the Central Podcast. <laughs> Hi. Uh, so what you up to? Currently at Pancakes on the Rocks uh, for Sonia's 50th birthday. Pass the Sonia's birthday. Is she there? Yeah, she's here. Do you want to speak yes, to her? Yes, pass the phone to her, please. Hello. Hey, pass the Sonia. Who is it? This oh, is sorry. Simon. Sorry, yeah. sorry. Yeah, sorry. You're, you're currently on the Central Podcast on your birthday. Oh, woohoo! Bring it on, people. Imagine when you're all this old. Like, I'm literally double most people's ages, Simon. Wow. <laughs> I know. Well, I hope you have an awesome birthday. Wow. Happy 50th birthday. I wasn't going to say the age, but, you know. Oh, no, I don't care. Bring it on, I say. Yep. All right. Yeah. Well, tell... Thanks, Simon. Okay. Give us back to Amy. Okay, bye. Bye. Hey. Uh, anything you want to say to everyone? Uh, chill out and have a great day. All right. See ya. See ya. Bye. Shane De Silva. Hey mate, how are you? Hey buddy, how you doing? Yeah, good. Good. Hey, um, you're currently on the Central Podcast. Oh, am I? Right now. Just about to eat my lunch. Oh, beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> what are you having for lunch? Uh, leftover sausages. <laughs> All right. Let's talk to you later. See you next time. Bye. <laughs> Calling Calamini, newly engaged Calamini. Hey. Hey buddy, how you doing? Good, congrats on the engagement. Oh, thanks, mate. Hey, thanks just just want you to know you're currently on the Central Podcast. Hey. Right now. Very nice. Hello, everybody. Anything you want to say about you being engaged? Um, not really. Thanks to everyone who messaged me. It was very nice. And uh, we're super pumped. Nice. Now I'm going to try and call your fiance. See what she thinks. Nice. Hopefully she sounds nice. more excited. I'm sorry. I thought you were calling me about work stuff. And- <laughs> I, think, oh, I wasn't excited about that, but I am excited about the engagement. But call me back when you're on the air and sign, then I'll, I, I won't be as excited. See you, buddy. Mate, you're making me sound like the worst boss in the world. Right now, let's call his fiance, Jordan. Hey, Simon. Hey, Jordan, how you doing? 
good. How are you? Good. Congrats on the engagement. Oh, thank you. Hey, just want you to know you're currently on the Central Podcast. What? <laughs> right now. <laughs> right now? Yeah, I just spoke to your fiancé, Callum. Oh, wow. Okay. And uh, we're just calling quick catch-ups. How are you doing? Yeah, pretty good. Yeah, doing good. How was the engagement? It was surprising and a lot of fun, so it was really good. I was very happy. Fantastic. Well, yeah. congratulations. I just called Callum and he, he was just didn't sound excited. <laughs> he's probably working. So. Well, it's true. No, well, he to- I, know he, I know he's excited because he's been asking me if people have already responded to our inquiry emails about wedding stuff. And what? I was like, it's been like one day. <laughs> now, will I make the cut? All right, so a nice catching up. Talk to you later. <laughs> Talk to you later. Bye. Hello? 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 Good times, good times. Well, thank you to everyone who answered your phone this episode. I appreciate it. You know, it's always difficult to shorten the quick catch-up segment, but I gathered it's a podcast, so if you want to skip ahead, you're welcome to, but you will not want to skip this. We're about to talk theology with Nathan Finocchio. Now, I just want to give you a heads up. If you hear words in this interview that are new to you or you don't quite grasp, I encourage you, pause it, Google, get a little bit of an understanding so that you can get the most out of this conversation. And Nathan is a teaching pastor at Hillsong Church. He's the author of Hearing God, founder of Theos U, which we will talk about. And it's just great to have him here. He's a hilarious follow on Instagram. Find him at Nathan Finocchio. And I'm just stoked to have him here. Hey, Nathan. Hello. So tell us a bit about yourself. Where are you from? How'd you end up where you are? You're married. You're... How old are you? Yeah, great. What's your license number? Uh, <laughs> Bank account information. Yes, that's uh, right. So my, I'm married. My wife uh, is Australian. She's actually from Sydney. Her name is Jasmine, and um, she's pretty cool. I'm 37 years old. I was born in Hamilton, Ontario, as were you. And, um, and so I'm a Canadian. And yeah, living in the United States and been down here for gosh about 15 years now and uh, it's been good you know just been kind of working on i've worked on music for a while it's kind of the reason why i moved to the states to work on music stuff and that stuff didn't really work out the way i thought it would work out and then i started to kind of uh, work for hillsong church and and uh, uh, run their evening college program in new york city and then from there, I started to speak on, on weekends and kind of, I kind of wrote a book during the time that I was teaching because I just had a lot of time to study and you know, work on things, et cetera. And uh, yeah, I don't know, just randomly, you know, more people started to ask me to speak. And then now I kind of do that quite often and uh, it's been fun. I did read your book, Hearing God. Yeah. Awesome book. Give someone like a 10-second recap. God is always speaking, and he's speaking in multiple practical ways. And you should find out what those multiple practical ways that he's speaking, or uh, from where he's speaking, and find out about the things that he loves to speak about. Um, So that's kind of the gist of the book. Love it. So where did all this passion come from for study and theology? You know, do you like being called a theologian? Uh, you're known as the theology guy. Uh, where did it all start from? 
Um, yeah, so so I, I don't call myself a theologian. Other people call me a theologian. I think when I think of a theologian, I think of people who have written a lot of theology. I've created one book. Um, I do run an online school, you know, with three thousand students in it. Um, so there's that aspect. To be honest with you, the passion came from my dad. Um, he's a teacher, speaker, pastor, and great guy. And um, just kind of raised us kids uh, to be reading the Bible every, every you know, as often as, as he could keep us seated. And we'd ask questions. And dad always kind of made it interesting. He'd tell us stories, Bible stories late at night. He's just, he was awesome. So, yeah, I just kind of had like a, nat, nat, a natural inquisitiveness. Uh, we were raised in a very, very a highly spiritual environment, my brother and I. Um, we were raised during weird times as well in the charismatic church. Uh, in 1992, there was this sort of spiritual awakening that hit Toronto, Canada. It's been called the, the renewal or whatever charismatic renewal. And so we were just in church at a time that there's a lot of kind of spooky, strange, supernatural superstitious kind of kind of thing was happening and our church was sort of like a bible church church like we were like about as evangelical as a charismatic could get um but we were we kind of dove deep into swan dive really into this charismatic renewal and so we just had a lot of questions you know like dad why are people barking you know dad why do people fall down what's the point of this why can't I bring my, I don't want to bring my friends to church. This is embarrassing. Like why do people prophesy? What's going on? So there's a lot, a lot of weird stuff that's going on. And so I think my brother and I were just openly inquisitive and dad loved it and encouraged it. And we kind of, it's, it was one of the ways that we connected with him. So like my dad doesn't play video games, doesn't watch TV, doesn't really play sports. And so the way that we connected with him was through theology. That's, that's, that is, you know, so kind of looking back, that's probably why Gabe and I went down the path that we did is because it meant that we got to spend time with dad and it was something that was, he was excited to talk about. Gotcha. So was there any kind of like crisis point for you as a young person? I think about people who grow up around those kind of highly spiritual, yep. experiential moments. Was there any point where you kind of hit a crossroads with that and kind of ask the question, Hey, like, what do I believe about all this stuff? Right. Not, not really. Um, you know, I trusted my, for better or worse, I just really believed like my, 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 my parents were so authentic. And so I really, really trusted them and I trusted their experience and they had been involved in a pretty horrible life. Um, in the, they're caught up in like that post-cultural, um, hippie you know thing and wrecked up backgrounds my mom had a, a kid when she was like 15 and my dad was like a total drugged out loser and they both got radically saved and they were 17 18 years old so they had these these real experiences and so we knew like my our parents were like this jesus thing was real so i never really questioned it in college was probably where i began to sort of take things apart and put them back together not in a deconstructional way but more of in a, like examining some of the undercurrents, um, 
I never really understood what our distinctives were. I knew that like we worshiped, that we spoke in tongues, that we prophesied, that we laid hands on people and asked the Holy Spirit to fill them and they would do stuff. But in terms of like our Christian, like confessional, being confessional Christians or what our theological distinctives were, I was like, we didn't really have much clarity on those because that wasn't the emphasis for our church. Our, our church was very experiential and it wasn't like a church where we talked about what we believed a lot. Um, so in college, as I began to, for me, like the Jesus thing was, it was always like, a, yeah, I believe this. I believe this. I believe this because my parents believed it. And I believe it because I definitely had God experiences as a, as a child, as a youth. Um, I've always been, I've always struggled with my, just, just being fleshly Christian. You know what I mean? Like making mistakes and being an idiot. And there's always been an, an aspect to my, um, to my walk, especially in college. I was an idiot in college that I was kind of like, you know, dancing the line, so to speak. But in terms of like a, a saving faith or really believing God or really believing the Bible or really believing, um, that's kind of, I kind of it was always squared away. So I can't really point to one thing, but in college it was when I began to pull a string and a lot of the things that I believed or actually, I didn't believe anything. We were charismatic. We didn't believe, I didn't have a system that needed to be deconstructed, right? It was all experiential. But we just began to pull this cord on some things and then began to see that, okay, actually, this is what we should believe and this is why. And, and then um, in college, I definitely had a paradigm shifting moment with a couple profs um, in the last several years. Guys turned me on, these, these profs turned me on to G.K. Chesterton, um, who they're just like, this guy is like, I think that you guys would be into this because, you know, and my, my brother and I got into Chesterton and that just changed everything. And it sort of made us uh, go around uh, to every sort of, you know, because we grew up thinking that Catholics were, weren't saved. We grew up thinking that the, the, the Dutch Reformed churches were, were this and that or the other thing. And, and, you know, Baptists were this and that. And so um, as Gabe and I began to go on our Chesterton journey, we began to see that, okay, wow, there's, there's some things that we probably had assumed and we've probably come myself more so kind of become more full circle and more probably evangelical than I would care to admit. But, uh, but I took the Chesterton route. I took the Catholic route of going, okay, I'm a mystic and I identify with a bit of the mysticism that he has. And it's some of the critiques that he had of Puritanism. Um, Yeah. I've, I've taken like a, a long ecumenical route. I feel like this is sort of a boring answer, but that's kind of what happened to me. You go to a Pentecostal, you go to a charismatic Bible college, you know, charismatics don't really, they don't necessarily know what they believe. And so I had to kind of sort out my own epistemology. And I wish that, to be quite honest with you, I had gone to, a, sometimes, sometimes I feel like I wish I, I could have gone to another school, but I realized that like that school that I went to nurtured my charismatic, um, spirit-centered hermeneutic and that was actually important and so that's a value for me you know like that's a distinctive for me and i'm always going to be that but it's just that my faith needed some reasonable uh, philosophical underpinnings and i need to understand some of those theological distinctives and so that's kind of in my journey my journey is basically 
discovering what historic Christian orthodoxy is and not knowing what it is. And I'm a charismatic kid whose entry point into Christianity is experiential, but then seeing all, a lot of my friends who didn't have those experiences, it didn't have those groundings, maybe didn't have parents like I had, and they'd lose their faith. And so for, and you know, as they were, um, as they came into life and had to ask some of the hard questions very early on. So that's kind of been my experience. My experience has been, I'm a charismatic who discovered historic Christian orthodoxy, and I found it kind of by reading old dead people. Lovely. <laughs> <laughs> so let's put ourselves in the shoes of someone who's at the start of that journey. Like maybe they're not even a Christian, but yeah. they're beginning this journey of discovering the Christian faith or even those beginning to study the Bible, what advice would you give uh, a 20-year-old or a 25-year-old or who all of a sudden, you know, they've watched American Gospel on Netflix or something and their brain explodes and they go, hang on a second, what, what do I believe? Um, where, where would be the starting point for you? So I'm going to say something that's probably the most controversial thing I could say. Um, G.K. Chesterton... In his, in his book, Orthodoxy, he begins it, and he talks about how he wanted to write a book about this kid who looks across, he lives on a mountain, and he looks across the valley, and he sees this kingdom on the other side of the valley. And so he begins this trek down into the valley to go and explore this kingdom from far away. And midway in his journey, he turns around, and he looks back at his home. And his home is like, a massive, beautiful kingdom that so far eclipses anything that that other kingdom across the valley looked like. And that is Chesterton's, in a, in a nutshell, that was his encountering with Christianity, that he was so close to Christianity and the West and what Christianity has created, right? The, the West was always beholden to Christianity, but Christianity was never beholden to the West. And so Chesterton, who is an atheist, essentially, he looks back and he sees like this fresh eyes as he had kind of get, gotten away from it. While Christianity is actually beautiful and what we've created um, as, a, as, a, as a civilization is insane. The reason why that's the most controversial thing ever is because right now, if you're an academic and you don't believe that Canada and Australia and England and America are the horrible and it's disgusting and Western civilization is disgusting, then you have a problem. And I look at Western civilization and I think it's the most incredible thing ever. Um, so now you're going, Nate, we're talking about Christianity here. I know, but like Christianity has material implications, right? Like, and so if you don't know the arguments for like the, 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 the wonder that of these civilizations that we've created and what we brought, like the university, we invented that. We didn't invent slavery, but we ended that. We didn't invent oppressing women, but we ended that. You know, like we didn't, um, there's so many beautiful things that we've, there's obviously we've, Christianity has slain its thousands, but secular humanism, it's ten thousands. So if you want to begin to like compare, no. So, so for me, I always looked at Christianity as like this historically 
incredible thing that the things that the that the church and the and uh, has ushered in is so far more beautiful um, than and so far eclipses her her mistakes. So I so that that was kind of like a big thing for me. Um, so I think that there's a lot of people out there and they're going, wow, well, Western civilization is disgusting. It's a it's a dunghill. And Christianity is ultimately to blame for it. So that's their that is their posture towards Christianity right there. Like so, so you gotta understand that we see the church and we see the Bible through a through a, a frame a framework. And before these kids are even reading the Bible, they have been spoon-fed a story about their own civilization that was created by Christianity. So there, so that this is the deconstruction movement. The deconstruction movement is there's there's problems in 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 uh, Western civilization, and so because of that, and, and Christianity is actually to blame for it. Christians did this, and Christians did that, and Christians did that. So therefore, you should be super suspicious of the Bible. Be super suspicious of this, that, and the other thing. So I actually think. Well, now we're talking in epistemology here. So I reckon that there's a, a fatter fish to fry epistemologically. So like when, when, when the reason why people, it, it sounds crazy, but the, the reason why, do, why do I think that, that people, you know, like don't believe in hell, that people don't believe in, um, that Jesus is returning and he's going to judge the nations. They don't believe in, um, the old Testament anymore. These are, it's not because they've read any really incredible literature or any incredible expositors or any incredible scholars and gone, yeah. No, it's because they're, they're literally coming to, at the Bible right now and at Christianity and at the church right now from a dogmatic position that, um, that God-hating people have created so it's like there's a culture war that before you even get to the theology and start asking questions of it, we've already lost these kids because all of their assumptions are that the God of the Bible is angry and that's why, and, and he's, you know, this and that and the other thing. So, so for me, yeah, like I, I, I begin my argument like Chesterton. Chesterton doesn't begin the argument going, and, and by the way, this is why atheists, there's books being written right now that are, you know, why Christianity is going to save the world. Right, because because they realize they've seen the end of it. They're going, yeah, Christ, like atheists don't build great things because we we don't have we have no reason, we have no purpose behind it, and and a lot of the redactive history. So so for me, that's this is why I love Chesterton and Lewis is because they actually don't begin there. Well, you should become a Christian because of this. Um, they 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 start with okay. Do you know how? a lot of here is like a lot of what we've created is good. Like personal liberty and freedom and expressions and health and all that, you know, all, and then when you look at the rest of the world, it's like people don't have those same values and, and people are rapidly trying to copy the West and copy the things that we've done. Um, that's all come from Christianity. Christians invented all that. The monks are the one who saved all the Greco Roman literature. The, if you didn't have monks, You'd have, you wouldn't have Aristotle. You wouldn't have Homer. You wouldn't have Plato. You wouldn't have Tacitus. You wouldn't have Caesar. You wouldn't have like any of these writings, right? Like, so the church, 
but somehow we're the bad guys. And, and, and so obviously, you know, once I, like I said, Christianity has slain its thousands. We've done some horrible things to people. Um, we've made some mistakes, but we've also created some incredible stuff. Um, and we've done some incredible stuff. And it's, and so I, to me, I, I, I know I feel like I'm kind of beating this, this one to a pulp, but I think that that for, like most people are being robbed of this, of a posture towards the church and Christianity and the Bible um, by a very, very, very sneaky, violent hermeneutic that they have inherited from the public education system and from academics who frankly just hate God and hate the church and hate Christianity. Yeah, yeah. So to give like the simplistic overview of what you just said, if yeah. you're on the early journey of discovering your theology, first of all, get a posture that says, hey, Christianity is good and it's done good for society and for culture yeah. and where yeah. you live. And then are you saying the next step from there is to get these foundations of orthodoxy down so you yeah. understand why Christianity has been so good? Is that the kind of step-by-step -step process you would encourage? That's exactly it. So I would, I would go, this is why we have a Western civilization class, which you can't, most colleges in America are now are changing the term Western civilization because they hate it. But the reason why we have it at VSU is because we're trying to show people, hey, you actually have some things to be proud of. And the church has done some pretty wonderful things. Well, it kind of reminds me when we talk about atheism, how that common belief is that Christianity and the sciences are, are opposed to each other when that's actually not the case. It is very freeing, though, when you realize, hang on a second, we're actually the good guys. <laughs> so I'm not right, coming right. from a place of weakness, you know? Right. So that's, that's exactly it. So in the 80s and the 90s, it wasn't the moral argument. In the 80s and the 90s, it was, the, it was sort of the new atheist argument it was the um you know you know sorry we don't believe in creation that's ridiculous and that's why christians are dumb and i'll never take you seriously and that caused a lot of gen x christians to fall away because it was either be intellectually uh, savvy or be a christian that was their 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 you know and then obviously you know like you're not gonna have any fun you don't get to have sex with whoever you want so that was sort of the angst of the 80s and the 90s. In the last 20 years, that's not the conversation that people are having because the, like new atheism, if you've noticed, it's like it's sort of disappeared um, because right now it's the moral argument. It's even funny, like Sam Harris, for example, you know, he's a spiritualist now, right? Like all these, like, he's not an atheist. He's, been, he's a bit more agnostic, a bit more like in touch. Why? Because moralism is what everybody cares about. So... The big, one of the big issues that people have with Christianity, like it's all about the God of the Old Testament now. It's all the moral questions because everybody needs to be moral. That's why everybody's virtue signaling on Instagram right now, you know, because it's like, you know, like, okay, I'm not a good person, but, but, but I'm a good person. And if you're not a good person, well, then you're not a good person, you know, like, and we so desperately need to be virtuous. That's, that is kind of what, millennials are obsessed with they're so desperate to be virtuous so desperate to be um considered moral and right and that's the new um social currency the new social currency is how good you are 
<laughs> and social courage is how, how much you care. I care so much. Um, and if that is the if that is the currency, well, then the Bible's pro- pretty problematic, isn't it? How can you possibly be a Christian and believe the Bible, mm. but also be virtuous? Mm. Right, and that's and so that's why you know, like the it's so so it begins like the Western civilized de- de- destroying the Western civilization. You know, oh, it's not virtuous. Destroying Christianity, it's, it's not virtuous. The Old Testament's not virtuous. Nothing is virtuous. Oh yeah, the Old, New Testament's not even virtuous. Peter killed Ananias and Sapphira. It wasn't the Holy Spirit. It was actually Peter um, usurping uh, his apostolic authority and misusing it. And it's, it's like. It's insane, dude. So everything's just, and then what you have to do is you unhitch the Old Testament from the New Testament, and you create this fracture. Now, and nobody knows what the heck is going on. There's no, um, because we distrust traditional forms of authority, uh, the, the self has now become the locus of authority interpretation. So now there's all this pressure on every single person to be to somehow bear this weight of being the sole interpreter. And what you have is a lot of people who are carrying this weight of, I got to know everything. I got to, I got to have. And so for me, that's why I'm pushing people towards historic Christian orthodoxy and confessional Christianity, because I'm going, you don't need to carry this weight. And there's a weight over here that you can carry. Put, put, hit pause on some of these apologetic questions that you have. Lewis and Chesterton and Ravi Zacharias, other guys, they'll answer those. But start your, your journey with Jesus confessionally first. Start it as Jesus. I trust you. You're God. Okay. Essentially, you're saying, hey, get in the trenches of orthodoxy. Understand what you believe. Um, is there uh, any particular place you would start, like um, practically speaking? Well, obviously the Bible. But like, yeah. but here, here's the Bible, you know, like, how do I determine? Because this is the thing. It's like, how do I determine what I'm getting from the Bible uh, is what is right? You know what I mean? Like these types of right. questions that come up. Yeah, totally. So, so. So the place I, I tell people to start is by finding people whose presuppos- who's, who's, who you agree with their presuppositions. So, for example, uh, there's scholars out there. You can Google. The, the trouble with the Internet is that it makes stupid people stupider, right? Like, yeah. So you can find scholarship for just about anything on, on the Internet, and you can find a, sco- a Christian scholar, Christian scholar on just about anything. So what you need to do is find guys who go, I have an evangelical uh, presupposition about the scriptures. So I believe that the scriptures are God breathed. You know, they're probably, you know, they're, they're infallible. I'd even say inerrant, uh, cause why not? And, and you just find some, 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 I, you know, so for me, that's been the process. The process has been finding scholars who I trust and reading those guys. Um, and not that, that I trust them because they're always going to be right, but I trust their their presuppositions. The way that they approach scripture is different than the way other people will approach. There's people who believe. I have a I have a um, New Interpreters Bible Commentary. Um, it's by a bunch of a bunch of different kind of an ecumenical work. But the, a, a lot of the New Interpreters they believe that New Testament is a highly edited document, and that. You know, sometime in the second century, a bunch of patriarchal anti-woman uh, Christians inserted a bunch of, you know, their 
their dogma into Paul. And so Paul actually was very pro-woman, but the second century Christians kind of took over. And so that's why you have 1 Corinthians 14 and Ephesians 5 and, you know, whatever else. So, yeah, I disagree with those presuppositions. So those guys, um, their commentaries on 1 Corinthians 14 are going to be radically different than mine because I don't believe that the Bible is, or that the New Testament was completely edited. I believe that what we have is is accurate. And so we need to take it at face value and study it. So I start there. I go, find evangelical. What does evangelical mean? Not a party position, but what it means is it's, it's people who have a confessional statement towards the scriptures, that there are presuppositions of, I'm studying the scriptures because I believe that it's God's word, and I believe that it's, it's profitable. All of it, the Old Testament, the New Testament, that's another big one. Um, and you know, and this is the way that I'm going to study it. So, and then you know, I find their philosophy on interpretation. So, D. A. Carson, for example, I think is a great guy to read because his because his his posture towards scripture. So, I want to find out what scripture means, but I need the help of some people at times. I need some help with the exegesis. I need some help with with studying, like knowing the language and knowing the background, and and um, and so I but and I need scholars who have a confessional Christian stance towards it. So that's the journey. The journey is finding these guys. Who are they? You know, like, and why, why should I read this guy and not that guy? That whole epistemological question. So identifying the people with the, the, the historic Orthodox confessional um, Christian standpoint, and then reading those guys and avoiding the quagmire, avoiding, you know, like, oh, here's, you know, Greg Boyd. He's hot. Everybody's reading him. Can I just mention just for the young adults in our church and, and even if you're in another church and you're, and you're listening in, speak to your pastors. Speak to people in your church, in your, in your community, where you're planted. Yeah. Ask them for recommendations if you don't know where to start. Uh, as much as Google is a great resource, sometimes it doesn't give you the best option. Like, for example, you Google a, a question like, what does the Bible say about women in ministry? And you're going to get a myriad of answers and options. 100%. So that's that's exactly it. So, I mean, I have a, I have a course on um, the OSU called um, Women in Ministry. You know, and we... And, and so I, I share, I, I, I stare down those, those passages, but what I don't do is be dismissive of their content. And what I don't do is try to recreate some sort of, you know, um, very convenient cultural background that makes it say something that it's clearly not saying, right? Like there's hierarchy that exists in Paul, but what is that hierarchy talking about? Well, it's, it seems to be talking about, you know, husbands and wives, and it seems to be talking about, um, it seems to be talking about maybe like that a dad is a dad and a mom is a mom, and they they have completely different distinctives and roles. But First Corinthians eleven says that women can pro- preach and prophesy in church. So, what else do you need to know? <laughs> you know, like yeah. So we've talked about people on the start of their journey to realize how the Christian faith has contributed to society and Western yeah. civilization to figure out your orthodoxy and get those foundations down. So I know there's some people listening who might be in what, what I would call like the trenches or, or the, the, the cage, as it were, of their theological discovery. 
Yeah. Um, they're sitting there going, man, I don't know, am I Calvinist? Am I this? Am I that? Um, what advice would you give to people in that kind of season? Okay, so I would, so, so my brother and I, uh, my brothers and I actually, there's three of us, we created this platform called TheosU. And TheosU.ca is basically like a distilled Bible college. So instead of a course being 24 hours, you can take a course in like maybe five or six hours. And the lectures are, because um, I think that there's a lot of people out there and they want to be kind of caught up on what are the, some of the talking points and da 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 but like they don't have the hours to go through the minutiae. And so what we do is we basically break down these courses, theological courses, Romans, Hebrews, you know, the books of the Bible, all this stuff. And um, we do that. We offer that to people for $11 a month. And so it's kind of like a library. So there's two things that I wish that I had when I, when I went to Bible college. Number one, I wish that I still had access to all the lectures that I had, that I took, but I don't. Number two, um, yeah, I wish that I had them like on my phone that I could just like, okay, I'm going to just listen to this. And it's a place that I could trust. So that's what we've created with the us youth. With the us you, for example, I'm not a Calvinist, but David Campbell is, and he's one of our faculty. So we actually have this past month, we had um, a hot topic called why I'm a Calvinist. And then my brother did why I'm not a Calvinist. And so it's like a kind of a fun place that within orthodoxy. So within that, within that, um, that castle of orthodoxy with defined walls, we have lots of discussion because there's lots of room for like, for example, David is a, is a, is a hard C complementarian. I am a small C complementarian. Um, David doesn't think that that women um, should uh, should be pastors. I think that women can be pastors, right? Like, but we need to know why, and we need to be able to understand. Okay, what, what, how are our approaches different? So, so yeah, we've kind of created this thing. So that's what I would encourage. I would encourage people who are going. I think I want to get into theology, but I don't know where to start. The OSU is perfect for you. It's kind of like here's some classes. It's low commitment. There's no homework. If you dig into some stuff, there's resources that we suggest like, hey, did you like that? You know, like here's the resources that we pulled from. Read these books. And just to plug from my end, you know, I've been a member of TheosU for quite a while and I can't recommend it enough. It's a great resource. They've got an app. It's convenient. They say it's like the Netflix of theology. That's it. Not the Stan, the Netflix. <laughs> And just one more question before we wrap up today. I feel like we could talk forever. A couple of Canadians. We haven't even talked about hockey yet. But um, in your book, Hearing God, you mentioned the importance of being in a community. And I think this is really important, particularly when we talk about theology, because you could be at home listening to podcasts, reading books, but really you need to be planted somewhere. You need to be amongst other believers. Can you just speak to that? So Theosu, absolutely. Theosu is like one tool of like many tools that you need to grow as a Christian. And um, so just because you have like, you know, knowledge, knowledge puffs up, right. But love edifies. So it's like, but, but you need, but, but then Paul goes like, you need to grow in the knowledge of the Lord. So it's like uh, G Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature. Uh, wisdom is the application of knowledge. You can't have wisdom without knowledge. So, so yeah, like um, I talk about, relationships because I believe that spiritual maturity doesn't happen outside the context of relationships. So you can know a lot of stuff, but it's the application of that stuff that is really where things become incarnated and where the word becomes flesh. And so, 
uh, yeah, like the everything has to happen in, in relationship. Everything has to happen in community. I think that God speaks through community. The, the thing with the thing with with people is this, and this is why we need commentaries, and this is why we need husbands and wives and best friends and pastors and leaders, is because like we're all pretty much totally blind of our our issues, and without people mirroring those things but mirroring those things back we don't when we're reading the bible we don't see our problems we see other people's problems um i think in my book i kind of talk about this but it's like you know the person on facebook who's like always posting you know a scripture verse you know like oh i saw this you know thinking of you my mom used to do that all the time she texted me a verse it's like you know in your patience you possess your soul drive carefully today saw this thinking of you it's like Mom, apply that to your life, you know, like <laughs> when you're making irrational decisions, <laughs> you know, like, so long story short, we're more likely to see others and not ourselves. But as we begin to get in relationships with people and those people begin to go, hey, they begin to mirror stuff like, hey, Nate, you know, like you have an anger problem or Nate, you can tend to be a bit impetuous, you know, or Nate, like, you know, like you're not, you don't listen and stuff like that. You begin to get, you begin to see yourself a little bit more. And then when you return to scripture, having, you know, a fresh view, you begin to see yourself. And then the Bible really begins to hurt when you read it. Um, theology begins to really hurt when you study it because you're seeing the distance, the gap between you and who you need to be. So that without the community aspect, you don't see yourself the way you need to see it and so community you know acts james the book of james says that the word acts as a mirror and that's true but community also acts as a mirror and so we need to speak the truth in love so that we may all grow up into him who is the head and i can't i can't grow up unless somebody's speaking the truth and speaking the truth in love love it well thanks so much nathan thanks for being with us and we've talked a lot about theos you but just quick plug what's coming up and you know most of our listeners are in the western suburbs of sydney in penrith so what can we look forward to look a couple of things firstly if you live in western sydney just go to the rsl and just live your life there fall asleep on the pokies okay <laughs> and after that and you're like okay i never want to do that again sign up for theosu.ca um yeah it's it's we got some cool stuff. We got a conversation on race this month. We had Calvinism last month. Um, next month, I think we're talking about divorce and remarriage. We have stuff on homosexuality and transgenderism and abortion and socialism and like a ton of different, just lots of conversations that we have. And we're trying to like do our best to, you know, we don't know everything, but we're just trying to have some pretty good conversations with people that we think, you know, they're doing justice of the topic. And then we have um, we have a premium tier that's coming out at the end of this month where people can join our town halls and basically uh, take lot, take part in like a live Zoom where we, we talk about really heavy stuff transparently with a small group of students um, who then we just Q&A for like hours. Um, so that I'm looking forward to that. But yeah, it's a fun community. 11 bucks a month USD, which is, I don't know, $99,000 Australian at the moment. Plus transaction fees. Plus that. No, the way I see it is, you know, we're spending like seven bucks on a coffee. So if you can spare <laughs> a couple coffees a month for some theology, oh. then it's worth it. Yeah. And also, 
it is a month by month subscription thing so you don't have to lock in forever yeah i encourage you you're on university holidays hey why don't you take a couple months and delve into some theology and uh but nathan thank you so much for joining us today loved catching up Same. yeah man really appreciate you coming today any any yes. last jabs any last things you want to just throw out there onto the ether yeah just uh go go roosters <laughs> all right we're gonna end that right here <laughs> nathan finocchio everybody what a legend and i uh, hope you enjoyed our conversation i hope you enjoyed this episode now if if your brain is just exploding right now and you have questions, of course, you can contact us, email me, message us on Instagram. You can find Nathan at Nathan Finocchio on Instagram. Uh, he's hilarious, man. Trust me, you'd love to follow him. And we hope that uh, we can get together soon. You know, Sunday nights are back on. You go to RSVP. There's only limited spots due to restrictions, but we hope you can join us. And this thing is going to get rolling again. We got exciting new fresh season coming in church and I hope you can be part of it. So have an awesome week, day, wherever you are. Elliot, sign us off, buddy. Hello.